everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. Each of us brings one piece of fan fiction to discuss. Uh, we go over what we liked, what we hated, not really what we hated, uh, the various tropes, how it interacts with fandom. It's great. This episode is themed. It was supposed to come out on Valentine's Day. It did not. But the spirit is still the same um, in the spirit of love, romance, and all things couple-y. Uh, we decided to all bring Genfix, so we're very excited. Uh, Reed, would you like to let us know what your fic is this episode? No! Okay, that's fine. Uh, everyone, <laughs> thank you for listening to our show. <laughs> it's been a great episode so far. No, I'm just kidding. I would love to. Okay. Um, the fic that I brought is... Wild by Unpretty, and it is a Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild fic. Um, Nick, what is your pick? My pick is called A Shot in the Dark by Tsukino Fairy, and it is a fic based on MTV's hit show Teen Wolf. Brenna? Mm-hmm. My fic is called The Interpreter. It is by Antistar E. It is a Snowpiercer fic. Snowpiercer? Yeah. That classic fandom, Snowpiercer. <laughs> yeah. I've been there for a long time, Nick. Where have you been? <laughs> I know, I'm just catching up. <laughs> so, dear Ficklets, um, a little while ago, Brent, Nick, and I did some brainstorming, and we created uh, what we think is the ideal classification system that can apply to literally anything in life. Um, it has no flaws. It is really well-rounded. <laughs> it really expresses all facets of anything you'd like to talk about. This classification system has six facets, and they are <clears throat> gay, vibes, punk rock, style, whack, and umami. That's right. <laughs> it has no flaws. We will not be taking criticism on this system. It's perfect. Don't add us. Nor will we be taking questions about what any of this means. Mm-mm. It's all very self-explanatory. Um, but just to give you, like, an idea of how this classification system works. When we first crafted it, we applied it to um, the Harry Potter series. So The films, specifically. Mm, the mm. films, yes. Um, so here are how we classified some of said films. Alright, so just to give you an idea of how this works. Prisoner of Azkaban, we ranked gay, vibes, and punk rock. Goblet of Fire, we ranked style, punk rock, and whack. Deathly Hallows, Punk Rock, Whack, and Vibes. Chamber of Secrets, Whack, Punk Rock, Style, but only for Draco. Vibes, but only for Dobby. (laughs) Correct. Also, one important note to make is we have made the determination that Dobby, gay, all All movies. (laughs) (laughs) All movies are gay by association because of Dobby's presence. It's very clear. It's easy to follow. This is the ranking system that you've been missing in your life. Scientists wish they had what we have. <laughs> well, Reed, they could. You could apply this to anything. Yeah, thankfully. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think in 10 years when kids are taking, like, Geology 101, it won't mm. be like, what type of rock is this? Is it 
sedimentary. Yeah, we don't care about that shit. It's like, <laughs> is this rock whack? <laughs> Does this rock vibe? <laughs> is it gay? Is just... this punk rock? Oh. I'm just imagining, like, instead of the Myers-Briggs now, this is what people will be gravitating towards <laughs> yes. for their own self-identity. Yeah. yeah, some of you put Hogwarts houses in your, like, bios still. Come on, it's time to classify yourself as gay vibes style punk rock whack or umami. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. All right, so we also wanted to go back and reevaluate some of the fix that we've talked about on this pod using our perfect, flawless classification system. Mm-hmm. Just to help you out. Yes. Yeah. So let's let's discuss everyone. <laughs> uh, the first one that we have on the docket is between the saltwater and the sea strand. It is the hockey selkie fic. Um, I, right off the bat, would like to propose vibes. This fic vibes like no other, honestly. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to go for whack. Okay. This fic. Yeah. Whack. The fic, definitely. I think more than that, maybe our conversation about <laughs> <laughs> But, like, yes. Yeah. Um, style? Uh, I don't think so. I think, I think the points that it would get for style are, um, actually just kind of fall under the whack aspects, mm, which yeah. are in the sort of mm-hmm. quote-unquote magical realism. We got into it a lot. Listen to that episode if you want to know our thoughts on magical realism. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel good about that. Yeah. yeah. Vibes and whack. Umami? Umami? Umami is only for the most selective of things. You have to it's be certain. Yeah. It's that X yes. factor. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I feel good about I feel good about what mm-hmm. we decided. Okay. Sick. Next up, yellow square. Uh huh. Buzzfeed unsolved fic. Ghosts might be real. It's punk rock. Oh, one hundred percent. I think it is. Um, it's also whack. It's whack. Yeah. Is it gay? Mm. <sighs> Does it have? Because okay, ficlets. You need to know these <laughs> fics that we're going to be talking about are like. In terms of sexuality, sure, they're gay. But in terms of our classification system, is it gay? This one, I'm not mm-hmm. sure. Again, remember, like, Dobby, gay, all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> this one, I don't know. It's romantic. I don't know that I would, I don't know that I would give it gay. I don't think I'd give okay. it gay. Okay, okay. Just wanted to throw it out for discussion. Yeah. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. Okay. Next, we're moving on to one that I think is definitely gay. A hundred percent. It's The Undiscovered Country, which is the Hamlet fic we discussed. Yes. It is gay. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is vibes. Yes. It yes. is punk rock. Yes. yes. Style? Definitely. Yeah. It's umami. I was it's gonna umami. say, I think it's umami. I really it think it is. It is not whack. It's not whack. It's not whack. No. Wow. Indigo Stohelet, you have written the perfect <laughs> fic based on our classification system. Um, next up, the love song of the North American douchebag, which is Star Trek RPF. Yes, it is. Gay. Gay. Yep. Vibes. Vibes. Punk rock? Um. I'm on the fence. Style? Uh, I don't I would grant it more punk rock than I would grant it style, but I don't even know that I want to grant it punk rock. Half, half, half marks? Um, it is gay, it is vibes. Yes. Is it whack? I don't think so. No. 
I think it might be umami. I was, I, I was hesitant yes. because umami is so special. But I this know, is but also this special. is pretty special. A vibes umami feels Gay right. A vibes umami, I think, is right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. Always winter. This was our Tintin Narnia crossover. Um, I would say that this fic is so not gay. I would almost classify it as straight, which is not one of our classifications, but I just want to throw that out there. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it has vibes. Whack? I think, I think it's whack. I think Capital it's whack. W, whack. I think I feel good about vibes and whack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I could almost grant it style, honestly. It's very pretty. I feel like those might be the vibes. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Because when I think style, I really am thinking about, um, it's, is it Chamber of Secrets, it's, Draco? It's Chamber of Secrets, mm, Draco. Yeah. And we yeah. have to remember that. Yeah. Yes, sorry, you're right. No, not style in this case, then. Great. Um, all right, the denial twist, which is the BuzzFeed Unsolved Dream Sharing fic. Yes. Whack as hell, Whack, whack as so hell. Whack. whack as hell. Um, yes. Vibes. Yes. This one, I would argue gay. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I style? I don't think punk rock. No. I think it might be style. I feel like the Shane dreams of it all. I was just gonna say, I feel like the the dream scene where they're like, uh, it's that like people dancing until they dropped. That feels very style. That's very style. Yes. Yeah. By dancing until they dropped, I mean dancing until they died. Yes. Yes. I would like to make the argument that the fic is not style, but that AO3 user Be the Change is style. Oh, okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Okay. I've read a lot of Be the Change's work. Very style. Yeah, very style. Um, And last up, we have The Monsters Without, which was the RTAH zombie fic. Yes. Punk rock. The most punk rock punk fic rock. we have maybe done to date. Yeah. I think. Not vibes. No. No. <laughs> Definitely not, not vibes. Whack? Um, I don't know, actually. Zombie premise is a little whack, but the execution, well, yeah, but execution I don't think is doesn't whack. really lean into the whack. I yeah. think you're right. Yeah. Actually, I might amend my earlier statement. It's definitely not style, but it could actually be vibes. I don't know. We've assigned vibes to a lot of things. Yeah. There has to be a point at which vibes no Vibeless. longer apply. Vibeless. Jeez. <laughs> you know, the zombie apocalypse, you lose a lot. You lose your friends. You lose things like society. You lose the vibes. <laughs> the vibes. So Where did they go? It's tragic. God, this illness has taken everything from me. <laughs> My vibes. I think it might just be punk rock. I think so. Mm-hmm. I feel good about that. I think so. that's okay. Yeah. Wow. So, Figlets, I hope you feel enlightened. Yes. Um, I hope you're ready to take this information and just bring it into your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you would like to at us on Twitter, at FitClick, and let us know of our categorization system, gay, vibes, punk rock, style, whack, umami, what's FitClick? <laughs> oh. Oh. I would love to hear yeah, that. Yeah, me too. I would love to know your thoughts, Figlets. I have my own. I am deeply biased so i would like to hear uh, i think we're punk rock <laughs> <laughs> yeah we want to hear your all. thoughts uh, <laughs> yeah so um take this knowledge take it into your life mm-hmm. i expect to start seeing it on twitter yes like this is gonna be the next big thing yeah <laughs> trend number one worldwide yeah umami <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, sure, you're a Capricorn, (laughs) 
but like who i want to know if you're gay or not and i don't mean gay i mean gay know the difference yeah thank you hey so we're friends mm-hmm uh, speaking of friendship, yeah. Uh, now that I've broached the subject, <laughs> um, this episode is about Jen Fick, mm-hmm. um, and I have what I think Jen Fick is, and I think there is sort of a very vague understanding across fandom, but I've never seen like a definition necessarily yeah. beyond oh, I just if like there is one on like fan lore. Or something. Yeah, I'm just gonna Google look. really quick. Okay, because I'm curious. Okay. Fan lore says Jen is a label for a fan work that contains no romantic or sexual content, either het or slash. <laughs> um, it's interesting because, like, I, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this. Like, I don't know that I necessarily agree that it has to be, like, completely devoid of any, like, romantic or sexual, like, interest mm. or whatever. In the sense that, like, so I was, because I was reading a bunch of potential fics for mm-hmm. this episode, and one of them was, um, one of them was a fic that was recommended, um, by our friend of the pod, Cassie. Uh, it's a Pacific Rim AU, which I will go on a small tirade about the lack of genfic that I desire in Pacific Rim. <laughs> I'm but that's sorry. Yeah, I'm for rude. another time. Um, it could be for right now. It could be, but I was just gonna say that um, this fic that was recommended, like, there is, like, a pairing that was tagged, and I was like, oh, like, would you still consider this genfic? And Cassie was like, yeah. I saw what she meant because the fic was about so much more and the pairing was kind of background, but mm. but by nature of it being there, it was tagged. Versus also, I read a bunch of fics that were tagged as Jen that didn't have, like, a relationship that I thought were way less Jen. I was reading a bunch of His Dark Materials fic, um, which, if you've never read that series, spoilers, the end of the third book, uh, so Lyra is um, in love with this boy, Will, and they're from different worlds, and at the end of the third book, they kind of determine that, like, in order for the betterment of humanity, like, they can't be together, um, so they will always be separated they always will exist in different worlds and i just was like trying to read some fic in his dark materials universe because i really enjoy those books and i found that all of this fic that was tagged jen was like so much of it was like lyra pining for will or will pining for lyra or trying to find a way back to one another but because they never were like together in the fic it was tagged as jen and i was like well that's not that's not what I wanted at all. And, like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe some people would consider that Jen, but for me, if I'm looking for Jen fic, like, I want it to be about the characters, and I want it to be about, like, their relationships, but not, like, in a necessarily mm-hmm. romantic way. And, like, that doesn't mean there has to be, like, a lack of, like, love. And I think maybe that's what Jen fic is for me, is, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be completely devoid of anything romantic so much as, like, I just, that just isn't the focus. Like, it can be there if it's in the background. I want Genfic to dig into, like, the characters themselves and, like, their relationships and dynamics and, like, the world they live in. I feel similarly. I think, to me, Genfic is fic that actively deprioritizes romance. Um, And that doesn't mean that it's not present, but I think, for me, most Genfic does not have a tagged pairing um, that I will, like, actively be seeking out. Um, Some of it will have a tagged, like, friendship that it focuses on, but not always. Um... I think in terms of what the actual genre of the fic itself is and what the, like, tags on it could be, it varies a ton. But um, I think in genfic, to me, there is some inherent level of either plot forwardness, character study, or both. Um, And 
neither of those necessarily delve in, have to delve into romantic relationships and what those mean. And I think just because, like, fic is so romance-heavy all the time, um, which is not bad. I like, I, I love a good ship. Um, but I think for me it is refreshing to read fic that actively pushes against that. And so if something is gen on a technicality of, like, Maybe the characters in your relationship, like, aren't on screen, or, like, there's pining that's not resolved. I think that still is prioritizing romance in a way that if I'm reading a genfic, I want to work to sort of push myself away from. I think, in general, I might be a little bit more of a purist about the tag than you two. Um, I don't know. I, I think, for me, like, the the truest genfic for me would be something that does not include any romantic or mm-hmm. sexual content. Um, at least, like, yeah, that it just doesn't. Um, I think there is sort of a gray area for me where maybe the, the, the romantic or sexual content isn't happening between the main characters, mm-hmm. but is maybe like a side pairing or an established relationship pairing. I was trying to think about like genfic I've read in the last few years. Mm-hmm. And one fandom I actually read a bunch for was like, in Marvel post, like, Spider-Man Homecoming, mm-hmm. I read a bunch that was about, like, a more, like, familial relationship between Peter and Tony, mm-hmm. and in some of those, like, Tony might be in an established relationship with, like, Pepper, or even Steve, or whoever else, like, depending on the fic, and for me, those definitely still counted as gen fic, yeah. but in none of those also was the romance between Tony and the other person, like, part of the plot at all they were more there as like another part of the support system or like part of the familial relationship with um peter and so i think that's part of why it still felt very gen to me because it didn't actually include any narrative about romance i think for me even if it doesn't include explicit like or just like written um romantic or sexual content like if that is at all part of the plot then i don't find it to be gen And I think one of the sort of way, like, I was thinking about this the other day, and I think, like, I, I sometimes wonder if I see people confusing the content Mm -hmm. rating and relationship tags on AO3 or other hosting sites, because there are two green ones, and one of them is general audience for content rating. Like, is this, can this be read by anyone? Like, is this G rated? Like, does it? just not include like violence or yeah. sex or anything they graphic like, go shopping and they buy a, a stuffed animal sure fine anyone can read it we're, we're totally safe yeah versus like jen where there's no romantic or sexual relationships as the relationship tag yeah and i think sometimes those things get a little bit like conflated mm-hmm. like oh okay well it doesn't include like it's g-rated so that means it's jen even if it includes like a romantic moment yes but it's like, then that's not Jen, that's just G-rated, but there's a romantic pairing. Yeah. <laughs> and I wonder if I, like, sound sort of fandom old in saying yeah, this, you sure. know, how, like, we sort of had, I feel like fandom goes through, like, eras of sort of, like, older yeah. understandings and stuff. A drabble like, is 100 words. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, there's, there's language that we just don't use anymore, like, I haven't heard someone say, like, squick, or, yeah. like, lemon. lemon. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. like, there's stuff that just doesn't that just falls out of use. So mm-hmm. I wonder if this is just sort of like a cultural shift in understanding what gen means. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also kind of confusing in the tags. Like yeah. they are separate on AO3 and other hosting sites for purposes of sorting. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like when you go looking for something, it would be nice if it was easier to find sometimes. For sure. Like I was saying, like it's, it's frustrating, not just like looking for fix for this episode, but just in general yeah. when I'm like, okay, I have, 
a thing that I want to find. I specifically I want Jen, and then I search, and all of the top results show a pairing, and I'm like, okay, well, I didn't like. Yeah. Is this just like a side pairing in the background? Like right. it's mentioned a little bit, and you feel like obligated to tag it, or like, is this actually a fic where you're saying it's Jen and it's not? Yeah, it's hard to navigate. I think more so than it is other tags. When I found my fic for this episode, I did not search Jen fic within T Wolf. I decided that my best shot was to find a fic that centered styles. I clicked him as one of the characters, and then I went through and manually excluded the top 30 mm. ships that AO3 <laughs> had presented. No, I, I do that sometimes, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the only way. Like, I when I hit Jen, it was giving me a lot of fic that was not Jen, and I was like, oh, please, I didn't come here to read Steric. I just wanted <laughs> to read Jen fic. And I mean, like, thank you, AO3 developers, for giving right. us the exclusion function. Yes. God, yes. Like, oh my God, God it is Game a lifesaver. But, like, also, we shouldn't have to manually unclick mm-hmm. the top 30 pairings yeah. to find a gen fic. Right. Yeah. yeah, anyway, I guess that's sort of, like, our diatribe <laughs> on gen fic. No, but, like, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, listeners, too. Yeah. Because I know it's not necessarily, like, a controversial topic, but I definitely, like, a disagreed upon topic mm-hmm. um yeah so let us know your thoughts about it i'm curious read yes what's your pick it's legend of zelda wow oh, hey i played that game me too technically we all have and by technically i mean nick tries i okay everyone <laughs> nick is a pro gamer i'm a pro gamer i Killed Ganon with the sword. I ran around. I have two horses now. I build fires and I kill monsters and I wear clothes that keep me warm. And I wear clothes. That's <laughs> <laughs> too. Both can be true. I shoot things with arrows out of the sky. Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. You've done it. You summed it up. I saved Hyrule. So this is a Legend of Zelda fic. Um, I would like to imagine that most of you have at least heard of the franchise. In case you haven't, it is a video game series. Um, The canon of the video games varies a lot, which I am going to get into later, but pretty much the constant in every game is that there is Link, who is the hero. Um, He has to save the day. There's Zelda. She's a princess with powers. And Ganon, he's the bad guy. He's their best friend. Sometimes? No. He's just the <laughs> bad actually. guy. Oh, um, sometimes he is literally the, like, incarnation of malice itself. Mm-hmm. It's fine. Oh. Is canon <clears throat> redeemable? Discuss. Well. <laughs> is canon gay, but <laughs> style, whack, or umami? He is punk rock. Yeah, I think so. Mm. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, this fic in particular takes place within Breath of the Wild, which is the most recent main series game, um, and which really broke convention from most of the previous games. Because, like, the Zelda games are known for being puzzle games, they have a pretty linear, like, narrative. You do a thing, you go through a dungeon, you solve the puzzles, you do the next thing. Um, Breath of the Wild, by comparison, is an open world game. Um, the game sort of has, like, larger quests it loosely encourages you to follow in some sort of order, but you really don't have to. Um, hey, if you want to never kill Ganon and leave Zelda trapped in that tower forever, you can. You're free to do so. If you would like to spend 12 hours catching fireflies and picking mushrooms, you can. Um, which I think 
is lovely. <laughs> um, this fic is very short. It's um, just over 1K. Um, it is a character study on Link. It's sort of examines his newfound freedom that he has in this open world environment. Um, but it's also very much a narrative about the previous games as well. And as I said before, I'm going to get a little bit more into the canon timeline of Zelda, um, because I was doing some research and I think it's really, really fascinating. And in specific, I find it really interesting what this fic chose to focus on and like what it brings in from previous games. But this fic muses on what would happen if Link remembered all of these previous iterations of himself. If all of the times the games and the franchise just sort of like pick him and Zelda and Ganon up and drop them into a new plot, what are the like repercussions of if he remembers that? Um, I I have read this fic now like five times because it is so short and um, I just, I think the prose is so precise um, and exacting and it's melancholy in a way that I really enjoy. Um, I think it dug into a video game in a way that I wasn't really expecting fic to do. Um, yeah, I just, as I said, like, I read it a few times, and then I sort of went, like, digging into the canon of the Zelda games, and after having more knowledge, I went back and read it again, and I was like, wow, this author is a genius, actually! Um, but before I sort of spiral into all of my thoughts about the Zelda canon and how it fits into this very small fic, um, I want to hear what you guys thought about it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I felt like it was very relatable because in this fic, Link, like, kind of doesn't know what's going on, <laughs> um, and in the beginning when I first started playing Breath of the Wild, you know, like, Link is, like, naked and confused and a little bit, like, lost and useless? That's how I felt <laughs> when I started playing the game. I was like, wow, my only weapon, a tree branch. Um, I have played more hours of it since, and I still sort of feel like that naked lad wielding a tree branch. Um, I'm not much of a of an action-adventure gamer, um, but I thought this fic did a really beautiful job of encapsulating how expansive and painstaking and very careful the world of Breath of the Wild is. Um, I don't know a ton about the other games in the series. I know a little bit just based on like gaming channels that I follow and clips that I've seen of various things like Ocarina of Time has the water levels that everyone hates, right? Mm -hmm. I know some stuff. Um, but I don't know a lot about the actual storyline. So Breath of the Wild for me felt very much like a new beginning that drew on histories that I didn't really know. And I liked that this fic really allows those histories to come forward without explaining everything because Link still doesn't fully know what's going on. So like Reed said, the prose is beautiful, so tight, so neat. Um, it reminded me a little bit actually when we talked about um, what's mine is yours and what's yours is gone, that RTH fic um, that is very much like a, a creationist um, myth, legend. Um, I liked that. I thought that it pulled a lot of different aspects of what it was trying to do together very well. And um, it was short, so it was very easy to consume. <laughs> I also read it a few times. I feel like this fic was really great at capturing the sort of sense of exploration and discovery mm -hmm. that I think Breath of the Wild hinges on. Um, because Breath of the Wild is such an open world RPG game, it allows you to go in a lot of different directions, even if it sort of will bring you back to the main points like time and time again um and I felt like this fic mirrored that feeling really well for me um I mean I, that is sort of like the point of the fic as well as like that Link sort of 
discovering these things about the world and like trying to piece together himself and that's also what happens in breath of the wild um like as much as the game is about killing monsters and saving zelda and defeating ganon the game is also very much about like link trying to remember his past and his self and that's very much what this pick is about too um but i just felt like the prose was really like we've already mentioned that it was it's very precise um i just felt like in that precision it did a great job of mimicking sort of how some of the gameplay felt to me yeah so the first time that i read this fic um the only games that i had played were breath of the wild and ocarina of time i had played all the way through um i played a little bit of twilight princess um and the only thing i knew about majora's mask was scary moon um and the reason i bring that we up stand. is <laughs> god we do not stand the scary no, moon in majora's mask uh ficklets if you're not familiar with this franchise i would highly encourage you to just take a second and google image search majora's mask moon it's very scary the reason that i bring it up is because um in this fic apart from the fact that it's set in breath of the wild the two other games that it pulls the most on are ocarina of time and then um majora's mask um so originally i went in just sort of with the knowledge that i'd played those games and like that was it so before bringing this fic for fic click um i wanted to do some research into the canon of the games i wanted to sort of figure out like how much of what the author was bringing in was sort of like tied into a greater canon verse versus how much was just the author. And so I started at the very scientifically empirical video, BDG's Unraveled, solving the Zelda timeline in 15 minutes. Um, as a side note, if you've never watched any of BDG's Unraveled <laughs> videos, please do. They are a delight. Um, Brent, I think you said this was like your favorite one. It is my favorite one. It's I think very it's good. So good. So I started there. Um, and what I sort of learned is that, um, first of all, at one point, and that point is after Ocarina of Time, the canon of Zelda splits into three different timelines. Um, and there's a whole lot of nonsense that goes on there. But um, in the words of uh, BDG, uh, in terms of where does Breath of the Wild fit into this, um, Nintendo couldn't figure it out, so they just put it in all the timelines, which isn't how time works, to my knowledge. The thing that I think I find really fascinating about digging into the canon is that um, in Ocarina of Time... Um, hey, surprise, Link gets an ocarina, and amongst the things that he can do with it, he can go back and forth in time. Wow. Um, who would have guessed? Um, he does lots of other things, that. too. Ah. <laughs> I just knew he'd be like, doo -doo -doo. Yeah. Yeah. He can, like, call Epona, his horse, and do lots of other things, but he also can go from being an adult to a child back and forth very quickly. Um, the sort of thing that happens in Ocarina of Time is that, uh, you know, Link wins. He beats Ganon. He sort of does what his life's quest has been. And then the timeline splits into three different variations. Um, and one of those is like, hey, Link won, but also what if we made things bad again? And one of those is Majora's Mask. Um, and so in Majora's Mask, it mostly, I promise this will come back to the fic. Majora's Mask takes place sort of in an alternate universe, um, parallel to Hyrule, which is the universe where all the other games take place. And the thing you need to know about it is that there is, as previously mentioned, a very scary moon. Um, the city, or the, the world, sort of has three days, and at the end of the three days, the moon comes crashing down, and Link is stuck in this loop that he's trying to stop. Um, and it's all because of this very, very evil mask called Majora's Mask that is possessing a bunch of people and doing a bunch of horrible things. So the way that this comes back to the fic is that the fic... Um, primarily pulls on these the canons of the previous game, not just because um, Link finds an ocarina, but also it just makes all of these subtle references. Like, there is a 
there's a race of fish people, they're called the Zora, and in Breath of the Wild, there's a princess named Mipha, and in this fic, um, it's Link is trying to remember Mipha, and she has red scales, but when he looks at her, all he sees is blue, which is a reference to Rudo, who is the Zora princess from Ocarina of Time. Um, so there are all these, like, little things, like, there are a bunch of- <laughs> I would never have picked that up. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it helps to have played Ocarina sure. of Time as a bunch of references that I think would not make sense otherwise. Um, but, so there's all these, like, bits of, like, this fake is just Link wandering, feeling, um, very lonely, feeling very sort of, I don't know if jaded is the right word, but he sort of, he knows he has a task he has to do, but he just, like, doesn't want to do it, and instead he's remembering all these glimpses of his previous life, mm-hmm. um, and when he gets to the end, and this is where I come back to now Majora's Mask, um, there's a few times, like, earlier in the fic where he kind of freaks out and he looks at the moon and it keeps going, the moon is just a moon, um, and at the very end of the fic, it said that he's sort of led to the ruins of this, like, four-square building, and, um, he opens a chest and he stops breathing and he looks, and the moon is only a moon, his skin is only still his own, he breathes again, he almost laughs, he slides the mask onto his face, and then you scroll down in the fic and it's a picture from in-game of Lincoln mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild wearing Majora's mask. Um, and again, the first time I read it, I was like, ah, oh, haha, a reference to, like, the game that people find creepy, and then after doing, like... <laughs> All of this research about canon, the thing that I really was stuck on was, like, so much of this fic is Link being, like, unsettled and where he is, and in Majora's Mask, it's sort of, like, this broken timeline and the power to sort of, like, bring everything crashing down, and I was like, is he putting on the mask just because? Is he putting on the mask because maybe he's tired of, like, living all of these timelines and all of these lives and realities? Like, does he want this to be the break in the cycle? I don't know, maybe I'm assigning too much meaning to, like, <laughs> him putting on a mask, so. but I was just like, oh, this author, like, if that's, like, yeah. if, this is, yeah. if this is the lore that you're drawing on, I just think it is so fascinating. Well, this fic doesn't have that many words in it. and so, It sure doesn't. Well, that makes me think that every single choice that's made is incredibly intentional, and, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I mean, I, when you were talking, I was, it, it had me thinking about how, like, in Breath of the Wild, there is almost nothing but choice and nothing but possibility of, like, who you want to be and what you can do and what you can accomplish. Um, I spend a lot of time sneaking very slowly so I don't attract enemies, even if they're weak because I die. So, <laughs> like, that's one way to be a hero. <laughs> but, like, I think Link not wearing the mask could be so many people and so many things, but Link wearing the mask based on the lore of the game, will be evil and chaos and possessed by the mask. And so there almost is this security and certainty that comes with, like, even if it's something terrible, you at least know who you're going to be, if that's the choice that you make. I agree. And I think, like, the end feels incredibly purposeful that Link Mm -hmm. makes this choice to put this on. It's sort of the one thing that he feels certain about in this whole fic, and I don't think that's, like... A coincidence? <laughs> Link just thought the mask was, was cool. Style. Yeah, it was style. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I definitely agree. Like, when I first read this, I I mean, I recognized Majora's Mask, but I've never played that game. So I was like, oh, look, it's the mask from the ah, other game. Like, isn't that neat? We're a like, reference. We're, like, we're, we're connecting things. What a fun Easter I'm egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I was, I was Ryan Mathek with Shane being like, you haven't connected anything, you yeah. fool. I've connected them. Um, now I think Reed has connected them better than I did. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> um, 
just yeah I agree I think it's definitely purposeful I don't think you're like ascribing too much meaning no. to it <laughs> yeah there's what only there's 1349 words in this um yeah. and I think those ending words are probably some of the most intentional I just think it's so it, because as I said before I the the fic is like very melancholy mm-hmm. um like you know Link's supposed to be a hero and instead he's just it's nothing feels right um there's a bit where it's like um because the the race that he belongs to in most of the games is hylian and it's like hylian and hylian and hylian but it never sounds right to the points of his ears his first language is foreign and his accent is nowhere he doesn't sound like a hero he doesn't know what he sounds like but he knows he doesn't like it and there's just that's just it the whole fic is Mm -hmm. just link sometimes trying to do the things he's supposed to and sometimes just sort of wandering and something that I just thought was interesting in the fact that, like, Link is feeling so unsettled um, is the bit that goes, Zelda is Zelda is Zelda. She is the reference point around which the world turns. She is always Zelda, even when she isn't. Her face is always her face. He is grateful and resentful in terms. There are so many people he would remember if he could. Instead, there is Zelda. And oh, I wrote, that's, like, one of my favorite lines of the whole mm-hmm. thing. I wrote, just fuck me up! Yeah. Because, God, it's so interesting that it's like yeah i mean i mean in the canon of the games it is always link and zelda link and zelda in a different plot in a good timeline in a bad timeline and ganon is there but like sometimes he's a dude and sometimes he's like a pig boar so like maybe he changes a bit but like lelda forever well lelda forever folks you hear her here first um and you get a bit from zelda's perspective where she's sort of patiently watching link meander she's watching him catch fireflies and like go on these quests and like not really do anything useful and she muses on how she's waited for him for a hundred years and she'll continue waiting because like doesn't the world owe him this like doesn't the world owe him a bit of time to just wander um and you can like wander and like catch fireflies and like explore and ride around on his horse his horse that is never the right horse Mm -hmm. because it's not epona oh no um but i i thought that that reflection of Zelda being endlessly patient for Link I thought worked really well on two levels and one of them is is the sort of meta that the fic is implying that like Zelda's always there but one of them is sort of um a little bit like closer to the game itself where as you're wandering you can collect memories that sort of show you like what Link's life was a hundred years before because Link has no memory um and so you get these sorry Nick spoilers for the game I guess I finished it sure (laughs) (laughs) um you get these sort of snapshots of his life before, and part of the story that you learn is that um, they knew that this horrible calamity was happening, and Zelda is supposed to be descended from someone who will give her a great power, and she doesn't know how to unlock that power. And so, so much of these memories are Link following her around as she attempts to unlock it, and she's so frustrated with herself, and he's always sitting silent and patient and waiting. And so, in this fic where Zelda's waiting for him, it's, like I said, I think it's both a reflection of, like, the game itself... And also of the meta of how it is always the two of them back in this loop in this story forever and ever. Zinc yeah. for life. What? I said zinc for life. Oh, we've changed it from Lelda to zinc. <laughs> it can be both. Great. <laughs> just just trying to keep up with yeah. zinc. Zinc is cute because it's like an element. Zinc is cute. So they can have like, they're like, this this is our rock. <laughs> and it's is zinc. this rack, rock punk rock? <laughs> I think one of the reasons this fic works so well is because um, is because it's implicitly referencing a lot of meta, and I think you can read it through on like a first pass and not really think about the meta more than like oh we're connecting different like 
stories within the same universe, within the same franchise, but I think there's a bunch of different levels that get both into sort of the meta of playing video games and into the meta of sort of like fandom and like fanon. <laughs> um, but one of the things I thought was really interesting is the play on memory in this, mm-hmm. because as Reed mentioned, Link in Breath of the Wild wakes up not without any memories. Like, he doesn't really know who he is, he doesn't know what's happened to Hyrule, um, and a lot of the game is him relearning the history um, and, like, regaining his memories. So the effect definitely, like, operates on sort of that same level where he's learning these things again. Um, but then I thought it was really interesting to sort of think about that in just the terms of playing a video game. Um, and the idea of, like, playing a video game in a franchise like Zelda that's been around for a really long time. And the idea that, like, in each new game you kind of come back to something that's similar but different. And in Zelda especially, the games are connected, but they are not, like, direct sequels to each other. Um, they're always, like, a little bit different. As we've learned from PDG's Unraveled video, like, some of the connections between the games are not very clear and, like, kind <laughs> of confusing. Um... So I thought that that was sort of an interesting play on it too, like as a, from like a perspective of playing the games, um, what does it mean to come back to a franchise that maybe you don't fully remember? Um, and then I also thought it was interesting just from like a literal like game save perspective point where like, like you're getting these memories almost like you would like saved points in a game, like you're returning back to these things, like you can as a player go back to a saved file. And I just thought that that was kind of an interesting meta on like how it feels to play a game like that. Um, and like how, how it sort of forces Link as this character that you're very like sympathetic towards to sort of be at your like whim. <laughs> Like, Link has no agency because he's a character in a video game, and we are playing the video game, and he will do what we want him to do. Yep. But it's also, like... Linky, you will not save the world. You will only catch, like, yeah. fish. Link, we're fucking farming today, okay? <laughs> Linky, you will not save the world because you keep trying to swing your sword, but they have spears, and they hit you from farther away, and then you die over and over. Link, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but, like... That's actually like, kind of what this fic is. Yeah. Like, it's sort of like, Link, I'm so sorry. Like, you're trapped in this world where you don't have the agency for it to be what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found that, like, an interesting perspective on both, like, the narrative of Breath of the Wild and how it is to play a game like Breath of the Wild. Um, one thing that struck me about this fic, too, we've talked about how short it is. I think part of the reason it's able to be so effective in such a short space is because the writing in it is fairly formal. Um, I think what I've noticed in fic is that a lot of longer fic, or sometimes shorter fic as well, is written in a very casual style, where there's lots of jokes, and there's lots of kind of fandom, like, nods and references, or, like, memes or whatever that people will toss in. The way that characters converse sometimes is reflective of the way that someone will converse with, like, their group of friends, like, you can sort of tell. Um... But sometimes you do see fic that is a little bit more literary and and formal, and I think this fic is one of those in which we've said like every single word counts, and I think because it has such an expansive lore to draw from, it is able to get a lot more across in less words than if it were like original fiction in some way, right? Um, 
there are exceptions to what I just said. Like, I think longer, more formal works definitely exist. They exist in various genres. Some of them really lean into the very, like, Victorian-era style, lush descriptions, like romantic literature, like capital R romantic literature. Um, but for the most part, I think what I've noticed really is that my favorite shorter fic really does lean into this, like, myth-making, like, legend-creating, lore-heavy sort of style in which you're following along, but you gain more and more every single time you reread it because there's not that much there, but every single piece of it is so careful that you can pick it all apart over and over, and that's kind of what we've been doing here. <laughs> so yeah, I thought that was just, like, really great. I think short fanfic sometimes gets a bad rap, but some of my very, very favorite pieces are very short. Something kind of diverging from that, um, just in thinking about, like, fandom and fandom lore, um, I, I tried, like, doing a bit of research to see if I could find, like, a point where this originated or sort of, like, where it became popular, um, and I couldn't really, although most of what I found dated back to 2017, so pretty recent, um, but something that I had seen a fair amount online, um, especially before Breath of the Wild, were people sort of musing on the fact of, um, fandom sort of wondering if Link was, like, mute or selectively mute, um, and part of that comes from the fact that, like, in a lot of the previous Zelda games, people will talk to Link and he just sort of, like, gestures. Like, there's not even the implication that he talks back, he just, he's silent and it's all just his body language. Um, and so there was, like, a lot of this, like, there was a lot of this fandom discussion on how much we could sort of interpret from that, like, how much could the fandom extrapolate and build on, and, like, what is the narrative they're building around Link? Um, and Breath of the Wild is interesting because there's still no, like, there's no voice actor for Link, or, like, there's no, like, spoken lines, but there's the implication that he talks a lot more. Like, you have conversations with people, and you can pick dialogue options, or even if you don't, like, there's, the way that they respond back to you implies that there is another half of the conversation. Um, but I think there's still just this really strong emphasis on, like, Link and language, or the lack thereof, and how he sort of relates to it. And I thought, in this fic in particular, something that was really interesting is um, when Link finds the ocarina, he plays it, and he plays all these familiar melodies, but nothing happens. Um, and there's a bit that goes, he plays three notes different this time, there's nothing but an ache. It sounds more like his voice than his voice ever did, and it hurts worse than the silence. And I just thought that was so fascinating because I really, like I said, like I couldn't, I couldn't find a lot of like uh, distinctive, like a point where people were like, "Here's where we as a fandom are going to talk about Link and selective mutism." But it is something that I've seen a bunch, and I just think that's sort of interesting, especially with how it interacts with this game and with this fic in particular. Yeah, I think the fic definitely brings up that topic of like Link not talking a lot um I mean the fic sort of says like he was told he never spoke much um and like he doesn't he doesn't like feel like the way that he talks now like fits it doesn't ever seem right to him which I think is interesting um because we're not led to believe that there was a game in which he talked in the right way in fact in the previous games he talked less so I just think that that's kind of like an interesting point which is like is it that he can't remember the language, or is it that there was, like, never a language that was spoken that, like, was fitting to him? Um, I just think that that's sort of, like, an interesting question for it to raise. Um, but I also think, like, 
the limited sort of dialogue that you have in Breath of the Wild lends itself really well to like the sense of discovery and exploration. Like it's a very solitary gameplay experience. Like there are NPCs you talk to, and they're in fact they're like important NPCs that are very central to the storyline, but it's sort of on you to sort like find them um, and to have those conversations. And also, if you don't want to, I guess you just could not like you won't complete that task but you like the game is never going to make you do it um like you could just spend the entire game collecting apples and you know that's like a hundred hours worth of gameplay right there am i right (laughs) lads no but i just think like the the limited dialogue even within breath of the wild really adds to the sense of sort of solo gameplay um and I think that's mimicked really well in this fic as well. It's a very, like, solitary experience for Link. This fic is such a pointed look at memory, at um, meta and canon, and how those things interact. Um, it is the precision of language used so, so well. Um, and I think it is a beautiful and melancholy um reflection of a really wonderfully crafted game. So Nick, what is your pick for this episode? Uh, my pick is called A Shot in the Dark by Tsukino Fairy. I think I'm saying that correct. Well, I don't know, actually, honestly. <laughs> I never I never pick fix with authors whose names I can pronounce. No, it was close, I think. Um, this is a fic based on MTV's hit show Teen Wolf. It's about 20,000 words. Uh, it's Jen, but it centers around the sheriff and styles. Content warnings for this fic are just, you know, canon typical violence for, like, a supernatural teen action show, <laughs> like, a-, a la Riverdale, or, like, Teen Wolf, you know. Um, and there is some reference to just kind of like skirting the edges of potential canonical substance abuse it's not like explicit and it's never like this is definitely alcoholism but it's something that comes up a little bit in the fic and is referenced so if for some reason you are not familiar with mtv's hit show teen wolf um it initially aired circa like 2012 2013 um and had like six seasons some of which were multi-part um as someone who was a very avid lover and follower of the show like all through high school um not to age myself (laughs) um i did not actually end up ever finishing the show (laughs) it got to a point where i was like yeah exactly i just couldn't do it anymore but like the first few seasons really had my heart um so in this fic, our main characters are Sheriff Stilinski, who is the sheriff of the town of Beacon Hills, in which all kinds of supernatural shenanigans are going on, and Styles Stilinski, his uh, spunky teenage <laughs> son, uh, who is kind of the best friend character comic relief type situation. Um, so in this fic, the sheriff, um, who does not know anything about the supernatural, um, is like, hmm, my human son keeps getting up to weird shenanigans. I wonder what's going on. Um, his initial guess, I think reasonably, is not. Um, my human son's best friend is a werewolf, and there are all <laughs> sorts of other supernatural goings on in this town that I'm the sheriff of. Um, so he goes through a lot as he tries to 
um, sort of understand what's happening, why his son Styles is like getting hurt or like feeling really like depressed or like really struggling with stuff that's going on or feeling like a lot of stress about these life and death situations that he's in and that his friends are in. So um, I really, really liked this fic. When we were doing Jen, I, I thought that I wanted to do Teen Wolf. Um, this show, I think, does a really great job of developing its friendships, um, which, as we know, is important to me. So, um, yeah, I did a little bit of searching, and I actually was really excited to find this. I hadn't read any Teen Wolf fic in quite a while. Um, I used to read a fair amount when I was, like, in that fandom, but it's been a minute. So, um, I had a really good time reading it. Uh, it felt like it had a lot of, it, it was written in 2013, so it had a lot of the very, like, of the moment fandom tropes that was really fun to come back to. So I thought it was super fun. I would love to hear y'all's opinions on it though. Yeah, this one was an interesting experience for me. <laughs> I was also in Teen Wolf fandom in the like 2012, 2013 era. Um, and then I intentionally wiped my memory clean of it. <laughs> so, um, you know, like, memory loss fix, where, like, people start to gain their memories back, or, like, yeah. they read, like, back a diary or something? Mm. Is it, like, in Breath of the Wild, when he collects, like, these yeah. pieces of memory? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, that's me reading this fic, <laughs> where I was Good. like, hey, I remember that part. <laughs> oh. Oh, hey. Um, no, but that was kind of fun. I mean, okay, there is stuff I remember about Teen Wolf. <laughs> I just, like, didn't purposely keep a lot of the knowledge with me through these years. Sure. Um, it was fun to read it from the sheriff's perspective. He's not someone we see, like, a ton of in either the show or fic. He's there in the show. It's not like, oh, we met him once and now he's never there. But he's also not, like, a main character. Um, so I think it's always fun to sort of center a side character in a in a fic like this and I think Jen is like a great opportunity to do so. I also thought it was a fun or like honestly actually kind of like not fun, but I thought <laughs> <laughs> it was not fun. Well, like Styles isn't having fun in this fic, no. but I thought it was interesting to sort of see Styles from his dad's perspective because so much of what we see of Styles in the show, in fandom, in fic um is as, like, the fun character. Like, even when things are bad, even when things are angsty, like, I think he still manages to be, like, the funniest, usually. Um, and, like, that's definitely something fandom has latched onto, is, like, oh, like, humor is his coping mechanism and stuff like that. And we really don't see much of that in this fic. Like, it's so centered on his dad being worried about him, and you're really seeing, like, the reasons why Styles has him worried. And I just think that's, like, it's it was an interesting sort of POV shift um, away from, like, the narrative of the actual show, which, like, gives you all these reasons to understand why Styles is doing something and really show you, like, the outside perspective. And, like, that's just interesting to read. I think, like, Genfic is such a good opportunity to do something like that. Um, like, it's fun to have the insider knowledge that you have from watching the show. Like, you know the reasons for the things that the sheriff is puzzling over, at least the one sort of early on, it kind of diverges from like using events that actually happened in the show to like making it some of its own, which I think are done really well. Mm -hmm. um, but at the beginning, especially you're like, haha, I remember that bit. Like those claw marks in the tree aren't from a bear. They're from Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember which one of them left it there. <laughs> no, but like, 
I I don't know. Like Fic does that well, where like you're you're sort of the insider, um, and like that's always fun to read. Yeah, very much agreed. Um, hey, surprise, surprise! I also was in Teen Wolf fandom. Yes. Um, like Brenna, my memory of the show is spotty. Unlike <laughs> Brenna, it's not intentional. Um, although I do think it is. Um, Teen Wolf season two is, in my um, expert opinion, perfect. Mm-hmm. And anything else You're that comes correct. after it is bad or just not as good. Um, I did not stick all the way through the show. I think I think I stopped watching like at season four. But yeah. well, season two is when Allison kind of goes dark side. And that was my gay awakening. So I feel like season two is superior for me for that reason. Season two is just peak in so many ways. I have not been in Teen Wolf fandom for a very long time. Um, And I had a little bit of trepidation about like wading back into this fic and instead was just like very delighted. Um, This fic feels like it could fit into canon really, really easily. Um, And I don't know if part of that is just like the immense nostalgia I felt while reading it where I was like, ah, yes, this is all of the best parts of the show that I remembered and none of, none of the horrible parts. Um, (laughs) Teen Wolf was definitively whack. Definitively whack. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I was, I was really delighted by it. Honestly. Um, I think one of the things I always loved most about Teen Wolf were the parental relationships. Um, this fic does not really talk a lot about Scott and Melissa, but I really just had so many feelings about, like, the parental relationship portrayed there, and then also between, like, Styles and the Sheriff. Um, so yeah, I thought it was very fun to have it be from his POV. I also thought, like, the dramatic irony of it all, um, was very enjoyable. And it, like, knowing all of these things about the show, as, like, the Sheriff is, like, trying to figure it out, it doesn't make it, like, any less fun. Like, just because you know that the big reveal is, like, a surprise, there are werewolves, like, that doesn't make it any less fun to watch the sheriff sort of, like, put all these pieces together. Um, yeah, I just thought this fic was, like, a really, a really nice portrayal of, like, some of the things that I really enjoyed about this show. Um, at the point in which I stopped watching, honestly, I think I kept watching for longer than I would have normally just because I was, like, oh, but, but Styles and Scott are so good, and their friendship is so good, mm-hmm. and even when, like, all of these other characters keep leaving in the worst explained ways, yeah. hey, everyone just goes to Europe, so that if the actors want to come back, they can yeah, come back. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> Everyone's just in Europe. And people who are dead, they come back. They're in Europe. <laughs> They're in Europe. It's just... When you die, you go to Europe. <laughs> like an euphemism. <laughs> yes. What happened to Isaac? He went to Europe. He went to Europe. He went to Europe. Um... But yeah, I mean, I, I stuck with this show for so long, I think, because of the strength of um, certain dynamics and, like, certain characters and styles and Scott were a huge part of that. Um, so yeah, this was, I was uh, pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed coming back to this fandom. Yeah, this is a show that I miss in some ways. Like, I am not a person who watches a lot of television. Ha ha ha! Yeah, it's that might be an understatement. Um, in the last, like, maybe literally 12 months, I have watched all of season 15 of Hell's Kitchen and, like, one episode of the K-drama Love is a Bo- Romance is a Bonus book. Mm-hmm. That's, like, it. <laughs> like, I cannot for the life of me just do it. I cannot bring myself to watch television. I can't. It's too hard. I'm so sorry. I can't do it because, it, like, I just find that so fascinating because, like, there is nothing in the world I find easier <laughs> no. than sitting down and watching television. Well, I used to be able.
able to. Like, I remember, like, I, I would watch, I caught up to Teen Wolf when it was in, like, season, partway through season two, I think. And I watched, like, all of season one in maybe two or three days. Like, I would wait and then catch up. Like, I was able to binge watch in a way that I'm really not able to now. But I just have such a fondness, because Teen Wolf might actually be the last TV show that I, like, really kept up with and, like, engaged with fandom-wise. I might be lying about that, but I think I'm not. Um, and, like, there just was something about it that felt very, like, special in my heart. Like, I was a teen. Like, I was, very, <laughs> I was a wolf. I was a oh, wolf. Oh. I wait, can't wait, you're exposing wait. Nick like this. <laughs> Yikes. Um, I was human. And I still am. Uh, <laughs> no, but, like, there, I, I, okay, I promised myself I wasn't going to make this entire discussion about Scott McCall, who was really not super present in this thing. <laughs> he is the no, let's talk about him, Let's please. talk about Scott McCall. He's one of my favorite fictional characters of all time. Like, I say that very genuinely. He is, like, so important to me and was so important to me at the time. Season one, I found him the most annoying character in like all of history and then suddenly he owned my entire heart i had like a mccall like beacon hills lacrosse hoodie like it was a whole thing i loved him so much okay you guys don't even understand (laughs) (laughs) you know know how bren was like oh like i had forgotten all these things and then i just sort of like discover them you saying that just (laughs) i just had like a galaxy brain moment that a friend of mine bought me an isaac Leahy beacon hills lacrosse shirt that i owned i owned no teen wolf merch not yet. Not yet. <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to buy Brenna Teen Wolf merch so that she wears it. At least make it about a character I like. Okay. Scott McCall. Um, yeah, Scott was so important to me and, like, still is in a lot of ways, honestly, um, even though I don't, like, engage with this fandom anymore. Um, I love Scott. I love Scott and Melissa, and I loved the way in which their relationship was sometimes juxtaposed against the sheriff and Styles' relationship, which is very much at the center of this fic. Um, One thing that I wanted to talk about with this fic is the different levels of knowing and not knowing that we see. Um, Melissa McCall is Scott's mom. Um, Scott, the titular teen wolf, as I mentioned. Um, <laughs> I don't know why the titular teen wolf is just That's so him. Funny. That's who he is. It's correct, right. but I've never thought about it that way. <laughs> well, think about it. Um, <laughs> Melissa McCall, she is a nurse. She works at the hospital. And because of that, partially, she is privy to a lot more information about what's sort of going on with her son and, like, their group of friends as they go through, like, supernatural shenanigans, um, then the sheriff. The sheriff is very much outside of all of this. And um, I thought it was interesting that, like, Melissa doesn't know everything. Styles knows everything. The sheriff knows almost nothing. All the sheriff knows is the way in which the events that are unfolding in the fic and in the canon of the show are impacting his son. Um, and occasionally impacting, like, the, the physical surroundings of their area, um, like, cars and trees and stuff. Yeah, like, um, his actual police work. Like, yeah, he'll get, like, a exactly. call, but, like, there's weird shit. Yeah. But he doesn't know why. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I thought it was really neat that the way in which this fic positions the sheriff as our POV character... Um, turns this into a detective story, whereas almost no other main character or supporting character perspective in the show would have lent itself to this level of investigation and dramatic irony where the reader knows what's going on and the main character does not. Um, The reason that Teen Wolf 
despite the fact that there are different layers of like worlds, it's a supernatural world that's like hidden within the sort of normal world that we all know, which is a super common trope with any sort of like urban fantasy or like teen supernatural. Like I think of it as like uh, what's it called, like supernatural romance, like the the young adult book genre. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. of it like that a little bit. Um, but like that, there are layers to this world, and that means that there are layers to what people know and because it's the sheriff who has aspects of this supernatural world presented through a very mortal kind of norm normy lens i guess <laughs> you could say um this turns into a story in which he is leaving no stone unturned um and i really liked the way in which the author leveraged that to turn this into that kind of a story where almost no other fic from this fandom would exist and operate in the same way um, I love a good, like, character making a murder board moment. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, in any media, I yeah. think that's so fun. And it's so, like, father, like, son. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Really like, we, Styles is definitely, like, the investigator of the, like, group of kids in the show. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's, it's fun to see the sheriff sort of trace his footsteps a little bit. I also just, like, there's something that I think will always be entertaining to me about, like, the reveal of a supernatural character, and I think it's because I read Twilight at a young age, <laughs> and every time there's a Formative. reveal, I think of the, like, I know what you are, like, say it. <laughs> say it out loud. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think How old are you? like... <laughs> 17. How, How long, long have, have you been, been 17? <laughs> well, there's, like... <laughs> There's something about Teen Wolf as a show that had, like, a bit of that. I think especially oh, for in sure. season one is, like, more and more of the characters are revealed to, like, have some sort of, like, supernatural presence. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just really funny. And I found that sort of, like, like that's sort of an undercurrent throughout this fic, I think. Because, like, it, it's kind of self-serious in a way. Because, like, mm-hmm. the sheriff is taking it pretty seriously. And he has a very good reason to. But it's also funny because you, as a reader, like, are kind of always imagining these, like, reveal moments. Yeah. And, like, I think there's, like, a, a bit where the sheriff, like, pulls over a car that's speeding and it's Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and that bit just, like, cracked it's me so up. Good. Because it really does have that, like, teen wolf feeling of just these people that sort of, like these situations that are simultaneously like life-threatening and utterly hysterical (laughs) yeah it feels like it could be such a scene from the show like scott in so many situations acts like a little fool yeah (laughs) like i can absolutely whoops you caught me again why he's so endearing too yeah so just like (laughs) i know i did like the dumbest shit (laughs) but like look at me i'm so good you can't stop me from doing it again yeah Going back also a little bit, I, Brent, I found it so funny that you brought up Twilight because I was looking at a part in the fic where it brings up Twilight. <laughs> um, well, because I was thinking about how we were talking about, like, the, the sheriff following Styles in, like, investigating and digging super deep. And part of that is um, Styles is, like, snuck out. He's, like, supposed to be grounded, but he snuck out. And the sheriff's like, fine, I'm going to see what you're up to. And he goes into his room and starts, like, rooting mm-hmm. around. And he finds, like, these stack of books that are all 
about werewolves and just one of the lines is like and a battered copy of twilight marked out by a post-it note reading not fucking funny styles and curving delicate hands <laughs> <laughs> um but so this so the sheriff is like looking at this and he's looking at like all of these other things he found but specifically these books that are all about werewolves and the like the fix like first he thought it had to be a cult which is so funny right yeah. it's like that's what you're saying where it's like yes he's taking it very seriously because like for for the character of this fic like he's very concerned his son is like continuously very injured like he doesn't know what the fuck is going on and then you read it's like is it a cult like and the fic literally is it a like, cult about twilight maybe <laughs> well because the sheriff is like sheriff is like even for beacon hills the fact that it's werewolves is whack like the sheriff is like there's no way um which it is just i don't know this fic just so perfectly hits on the tone of teen wolf yeah. which at some points takes itself too seriously and then at the point at which it takes itself too seriously it tips into absurd and mm-hmm. just hilarious where do you get um, your juice spent <laughs> my mom is like grocery shopping is- i think that scene like set the tone of both teen wolf as a show and like teen wolf fandom oh yes. totally so precisely. iconic yeah it really is oh i miss jackson yeah <laughs> it's just yeah i mean that's the thing though is like i think that's when the show is at its best is when it sort of leaned into that like absurdism um and then it just went too far into being whack um but i'm not here to talk about how teen wolf got to be just so convoluted and so horrible we're here to talk about the minisode (laughs) no a year from today in which reed takes a full 30 minutes to monologue Mm -hmm. about what went wrong with teen wolf it's First, I'm going to have to, like, reread yeah. what happened, because I don't remember a lot of it. Oh, I just remember being show. bad. Mm. Yeah, it's coming out in a year, because I'm going to rewatch it. Yeah, oh, it's great. It's gonna I could actually do that in, like, two days. I was going to say. Uh, the other main thing I really wanted to talk about with this fic, and with this show, and with this, like, genre of fic, and by genre, I mean gen fic, um, is that... Uh, with a show with a really large ensemble, I feel as though Teen Wolf has always, well, has always, uh, for the first few seasons, did a really great job of really delving into what different relationships look like at different levels. Um, parent-child relationships, really close friendships, romantic relationships, relationships that used to be romantic and then no longer were and became platonic. Like, I think it, it does a lot of really interesting work in who people are to each other. And this fic extends that um we've talked about how well this fic fits in with canon honestly because the author did an awesome job of extending that line and i just really really loved that i was able to read a fic where like from the sheriff's point of view like yeah styles is a kid who's struggling and from styles's point of view he's like this hero who has to protect his friends because that relationship is different and is prioritized in a different way to him because of the stakes um, that the sheriff can have this quiet understanding with Melissa McCall where they're both worried about their kids and have this completely other relationship with Scott, who's, like, his kid's best friend, who, like, is a troublemaker and he's worried about it. Like, I just think it does such a wonderful job of showing lots of different facets of the ensemble cast and the relationships they're in. And I've always appreciated that Genfic is able to really prioritize non-romantic relationships um, I've talked about this a fair amount, I think, on the pod and also, like, off the pod <laughs> to anyone who will listen to me. Um, but I really do feel as though some fic that focuses on romance has the main characters feeling so isolated and apart from community, where suddenly the only thing in their life and the only relationship that's, like, 
dynamic is this one that's romantic. And in genfic, it so often feels as though many relationships of different kinds are allowed to be growing and changing and important for different reasons and lasting or not lasting. Like, I just really, really love that. Um, and I was excited that we got to talk about genfic today because that was one of, like, my most anticipated themes, I think. Um, I read a fair amount. I thought that this fandom really allows for the kind of genfic that I really like that can be plot forward, that can have multiple different kinds of relationships, and that can um, allow all of the different pieces of the fic to work together and move forward without necessarily prioritizing one over the other. So A Shot in the Dark, um, based on MTV's hit show Teen Wolf, is a fic about familiar relationships, about unearthing supernatural beneath the normal um, and really about what different kinds of relationships can look like at any given moment when one kind is not being necessarily prioritized over the other in a story so I love this fic a lot I had a really good time reading it and coming back to this fandom so if you also are nostalgic about Teen Wolf in any way shape or form I think it's a really lovely kind of way to dip back into it without having to deal with like the fear of some <laughs> aspects of the fandom Hey, Brenna. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of genfic, as we yeah. have been <laughs> all episode, um, did you bring a fic this week? Oh, Nick, <laughs> I forgot. Oh my god, um, I left oh, the table at home. Wow, I thought that the end of the episode you named one, but I couldn't remember. It's I been mean, a while. like I did. I meant to bring it, but like I just oh, forgot it. it. I left it at home. Oh, yeah, that's been so there. Sad. Yeah, yeah we hate when I leave there. my fic at home. <laughs> no, I haven't. Oh, yay. <laughs> yeah. So the fic I want to discuss this week is called "The Interpreter" by Anti Star E. This is a Snowpiercer fic. It picks up after the events of the. 2013 movie Snowpiercer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, before we get into it, I do want to give some content warnings because there are kind of some big ones for this. Yeah. Um, if you've seen Snowpiercer or you know of Snowpiercer, these will not come to as a surprise for you. And some of them aren't necessarily present in the fic, more just like reference to, but some of them are definitely present. Um, so things that are more so on the reference side would be violence, um, cannibalism, like, on-screen child abuse. <laughs> mm -hmm. Things that maybe are more so in this fic as well would be, like, body horror and food horror, um, drug addiction and recovery, sort of just, like, horrible living conditions. I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the movie is fairly graphic, and this fic is a lot less so, but because it picks up after it, a lot of those themes are dealt with here. Um, so if any of that is going to be triggering for you, I love this fic, but maybe it's, yeah. maybe it's not right for you. Um, I don't think we're going to be getting into all of these things. Probably we'll be mostly talking about sort of the living conditions, maybe the drug addiction, um, not so much into like the violence and stuff like that. Yeah. But. One more warning that's only referenced, um, dirty Chris Evans. <laughs> Very dirty. Just Chris so Evans. dirty. Very dirty. <laughs> But just FYI. he's not here. Yeah. <laughs> he dies at the end of Snowpiercer. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, spoiler horns. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. He's yeah. not around anymore. I just this fic is way less like graphic yeah. and horrible than the movie. Yes. But by product of being based on the movie, mm -hmm. 
you know, just, it has the Lily's shadow over it. Yeah. So just yeah. keep that in yeah. mind as you proceed, or maybe you don't with mm-hmm. this conversation. But, like, maybe do. But, like, you should because it's, it's a, a really <laughs> good fic. I think, like, our conversation is probably going to touch on those things even less than the actual yeah. fic does. So. Listen up. Most of it will probably be okay <laughs> for most people to listen to. Yeah. Um, but just to know about before you, like, go clicking on the fix. I don't think it's really tagged. It just assumes yeah. you know what happens in Snowpiercer. Correct. Um, which, wow, by the way, we should probably talk a little bit about what happens in Snowpiercer. Yes, probably. Because sometimes we just jump into fic because we don't really need a lot of context for it. This uh-huh. one, because it picks up directly afterwards and sort of is written directly in relation to the larger themes of that movie. I think we got to talk about it anyway if you are unaware of snowpiercer bong joon ho's 2013 classic sci-fi movie yes i really love it it's a little hard to watch but i think if you can stomach it it's very worthwhile (laughs) um basically it its premise is that um there's been a climate crisis on earth that plunged the whole world into a um ice age Mm -hmm. And the only people that we know to still be alive are on a train called Snowpiercer that endlessly circles the Earth. It's very dystopian. (laughs) Um, The movie picks up, I think, 18 years after people boarded Snowpiercer Mm -hmm. and follows um, our main character, Curtis, who is Dirty Chris Evans, Mm -hmm. as he sort of leads a revolt from the people living in, like, just horrible squalor at the end section of the train as he's like fights his way up through the like increasingly better off and richer like train compartments basically to the front um at the front of the train he is confronted by the idea that like what he thought he was doing of his own sort of like volition of his own free will has sort of been manufactured by both the guy who designed the train and curtis's like mentor from the back of the train as a means of population control so, yikes. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically proceed to blow up the train. Everyone is presumed to die except two characters, Yona and Timmy. Um, they're both kids. I don't know that they have, like, exact ages. I think Yona is probably, like, in her early teens, and Timmy's probably around, like, not eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are seen, like, stumbling out into the snow where they see a polar bear giving us sort of the idea that life is still present on Earth or has returned. Mm-hmm. Um, and the movie ends. Yeah. So it's a very open... Bum, bum. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, this fic picks up kind of directly after that, but not immediately with Yona and Timmy. Instead, it introduces us to the idea that maybe the people on Snowpiercer weren't the only survivors, and that maybe there are these collections of underground, like, tunnel communities um, that don't have, like, a precise name in the in the fic, but I think they kind of refer to them as the Warrens. Um, like, like, rabbit warrens, like, tunnel systems. Mm-hmm. Anyway. They also call them colonies. So they yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few different names, I think, that they refer to them as. Um, but the idea that there are eight known, like, colony communities, whatever, um, where people have survived. And our, like, POV character for this fic is actually an OC named Mariam and she lives in one of these colonies and she becomes the translator for Yona when Yona and Timmy are found. Um, this in the fic is because Yona in the movie only speaks Korean. Um, and in the fic, 
Mariam is the only person in that community who speaks Korean. Um, and Timmy doesn't speak. So there's sort of, like, a lot of this fic centers around communication and language and history and meaning. Um, I fucking loved this fic. It was a recommendation by um, friend of the pod, Emily. And I love Snowpiercer, so I was like, yeah, I'm super interested to, like, I didn't even think that there would be fic about it necessarily, yeah. let alone, like, a, what is this, like, 13k, 12k, 12K. <laughs> um, fic about it. Like, within a few paragraphs, I was like, oh, absolutely. Like, this just checks so many of the boxes of, like, what I love, and not necessarily even what I love about fan fiction, but what I love in, like, science fiction, short stories, and just, like, writing in general, storytelling. Um, anyway, I have a lot of thoughts about this. I really want to hear, like, what you guys thought. Um, Rita, I know you've seen the movie. Nick, I know you haven't, so I'm also interested to, like, see how those reading experiences were for you. Um, before I just, like, give you a 40-minute monologue on, like, <laughs> why I loved it and why I think it's good. <laughs> um, yeah, this fic was phenomenal. Um, I, there is so much about this fic that is fascinating, and I also could probably go on a 40-minute monologue, but, um, I think one of the things that stood out the most to me was, um, the question it asks of who is telling the story, and what that does to, like, narratives and, like, people's perspectives and what you're learning. Um, because the fic is, as you said, it takes place from Mariam's point of view. Um, and all she has ever known is, like, a life in the Warrens, like, this life underground. Um, and when that is contrasted with not only, like, adults who had lived before this um, sort of, like, Ice Age Calamity, but also when it's contrasted with Yona and her experience of only being on the train, you just get all these sort of different narratives about, like, what is right and what is, like, good and true and correct um, that I think is, like, so fascinating. Um, and I read this fic, and then Nick and I went to go see Parasite, mm, yeah. um, which I think was a very correct choice. One, because Parasite's a phenomenal movie, but yes. two, specifically for the context of this fic, um, after I'd read it the first time, I, like, went back and read it again, and then added to my notes where I was like, and this makes me think of Parasite, and then I have this connection, um, which was just, like, very fun, um, just because I think there are so many, you, Bren, you brought up a bunch of, like, things about, like, capitalism, and, I don't know, and wealth, and mm -hmm. so many things that this fic digs into that I think, um, work really well just within the fic, but also make for some very interesting comparisons to outside media as well. Yeah, this fic is extraordinary, honestly. Um, it is so ambitious, it is so creative, it takes on a huge burden of world building that a lot of fic often doesn't, um, because there is a world that already exists, right? Like, it, it exists in the world of Snowpiercer, but it expands so far beyond what we're given um, in the movie, or what I assume we're given in the movie, based on the eight-minute summary that mm -hmm. I watched. <laughs> um, you know, I know some stuff. Um, I like what you said, Bren, about this not only celebrating Snowpiercer but challenging it and challenging the ideology behind it because I think that's another thing that I love about fic like when we're creating transformative works we are actively engaging with the media that we consume it's not just like I thought this was neat it's like what if I like also got my hands on it mm -hmm. um, and brought in my own completely different perspective that is sometimes at odds with the original content so I loved that and I liked what you said Bren too about like 
the fact that their their lives are not necessarily good by our standards because what this fic had me thinking a lot about was what makes a life good and like what we consider to be a good life um i looked for a while and i could not find the name of it but um i took a class on gender and sci-fi in college and we talked a little bit about this theory that humanity sort of as a whole but especially like the west and like the united states has this belief that as time goes on throughout all of history things are getting better Um, and some of it i think is around like who is having this perspective like marginalized communities like yeah as for me as an american woman in the 21st century there are some things about like my literal rights to exist as a person um that are different than they would have been in the past but i also think that a lot of this theory hinges on technological advancement um and it just had me thinking a lot about like Mariam doesn't seem to think that her life is bad mm-hmm. as she's as she's sharing uh, with us, but also with like Yona and Timmy. Um, but I just thought it was really fascinating that like this life that she has is what we would consider incredibly simple. Um, but I don't think by the standards that I guess I was bringing with me when I was reading this fic that like it is necessarily bad or worse it's just extraordinarily different from what I can conceptualize my life looking like yeah and I think one thing I started thinking about while you were talking is that idea of like with technological advancements comes like betterment of society and I think it's not like within science fiction I don't think it's always a question of like is now or is the future better than the past but like did we progress correctly did we go do we take the right path did we make the right choices what if we had evolved in a different manner both societally technologically in a number of different like regards and i feel like that's also sort of what this fic mm-hmm. poses like it's not only a sort of like stepping back to earlier practices which i think it definitely um utilizes but also just a complete like shift and looking at how communities can be, like, formed in a way that I don't think can, like, match up to anything we've experienced, like, in our own timelines. It's not like we went back to a precise point. Yeah. I think it's, like, an, it's, a, it's an alternate evolution, mm-hmm. um, which I think is one of the things, like, science fiction allows you to do and not to be, like, in Brenna Sci-Fi Corner yeah. where we talk about why I love sci-fi, but, like, <laughs> that's definitely one of the things that I think that genre is allowed to do that makes it like so impactful for me well it's interesting like you know how you said examining the question of like did technology progress like correctly like did Mm -hmm. we do this right this world of like snowpiercer Mm -hmm. only exists because uh no uh arguably no you didn't quite do it right yeah i don't think that was right yeah like they (laughs) they take planes and they launch like you know this like oh, we're going to combat global warming? It'll mm-hmm. be great. JK, Ice Age, and, like, near global extinction. Yeah. Um, but, like, Nick, as you said, like, Maria, I'm like, she doesn't... She was born, like, in the war, and it's like, she hasn't known anything other mm-hmm. than this life, and so, for her, like, yeah, like, wh- why shouldn't this have been the way that things mm-hmm. progressed? Like, her life is, like, fine. There's no, like... I don't want to say, like, there's nothing wrong there, but it's that mm-hmm. idea of, like, when you're coming from our perspective, it's like, yeah, I think I think the people of the past kind of fucked it up a bit. Um, but for her, like, that's not the way that she views it, which yeah. I think is... And she can't view it that way. She doesn't yeah. have the context. It's a matter of scale in a lot of ways. Well, I think... Oh, sorry. 
we all have so many thoughts. <laughs> um, one of my absolute favorite lines of the fic is um, sort of shortly after uh, Yona and Timmy are found and brought down into the Warrens, um, and Marian's sort of like explaining a bunch of things, and she says the word Snowpiercer again, which as a person reading the fic, you're like, yeah, of course it's the train. Um, and Yona's like, what is that? Like, you keep saying yeah. that, and I don't really like get it. And Marian realizes, she's like, oh, it's, it's our word for the train. Um, and then Yona goes, oh, she spoke to the wall. I didn't think about that. If we had to differentiate, we called it the train. Otherwise, it was just, she paused, fishing, her eyes scanning the ground in front of her, like, crap, she dropped the rest of her sentence. And then she picked up a word and fit it into place. The world. And I was just like, ah, like, who tells the story and your perspective? Because, like... For Maria, her entire experience before the train explodes mm. is uh, once a year, on a day, they go, hey, the train's passing, and there's, like, a rumble, and that's it. And Maria's like, I don't even know what a train is. Mm. And for Yona, like, that was her world, was this, like, tiny, self-contained hunk of metal hurtling mm. across the earth. Um, and I just think that is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. The, like, framing of, like, one person's, like, life perspective and story and, like, how that shapes their view of literally everything. Yeah, well, also, like, all of the stories about the colonies, like this horn in particular, come from inside of it. There is no life outside as far as they knew, aside from the train, which was never something that, like, they interacted with or took into consideration. So the the myth-making that was created in this story in particular was very insular. It didn't come from anywhere else. Like... The whole world is the underground mm-hmm. in the same way that, like, the whole world was the train. Except now, Yona and Timmy are entering a space in which there is an outside perspective that wasn't there before. Um, and the Warren is having people enter who have an outside perspective. Like, it's so interesting. And when we're thinking about, like, community and cross community conflict and community development and, like, all this stuff, I'm getting, like, public health theory. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so neat to see like this tiny microcosm of a civilization begin to interact with things outside of itself again for the first time in many 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 years yeah I think like sort of thinking about the perspective is huge in this fic and in Snowpiercer Mm -hmm. and I think I at least was also thinking about like Parasite obviously while reading this or like you sort of rereading it. Yeah. Um, but one of the huge things in Parasite is the perspective between the um, like poor family and the rich family. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the crux of that movie. Yes. But you view those lives in contrast to each other. Um, and you view, like, like, there's a lot to be said about, like, the visual perspective and the filmmaking yeah. and all of that. But, like, on just a very, like, straightforward simple level they are what they are because the other one is the other mm-hmm. and on snowpiercer that is mimicked because even though that is the only part of the world that they think exists the capitalist structure from previously is still very much implemented and it served as a microcosm of like the worst of it um where the people at the bottom are like just experiencing just like nightmarish living conditions and the people at the best of it are living in like a seeming utopia you know like I mean they they know that it's not because they know that the tail end exists but they don't care about that either um and then 
I think it's interesting because, like, with Mariam, both her and Yona are in positions where, like, all they've known is, like, the life since the climate crisis. But Yona comes from this place where, like, the remnants of the, like, old social structure and the old capitalist structure are very much still present. And, like, it's Bong Joon-ho's, like, whole point about the evils of capitalism. Um, and I think this fic, like, fundamentally agrees with him. Um, but for Mariam, she's living in a society where they've sort of thrown that away. And, like, it's a very pointed throwing away of it. Um, there's a line in the fic that's, like, that's what the colonies were, she explained. They were built on the backs of what homeless people had already made for themselves. They had belonged to the poor up until the rich decided they needed it. Um, and, like, there is sort of this idea that, like, the people who survived were the ones who already knew the infrastructure that, like, poverty had forced them to build. Um, and because of that, there is a more, like, equal society. And we don't really know the full, like, structure of it. Um, but at least from Mariam's point of view, it doesn't seem fucked up in the same way yeah. that, like, Snowpiercer or the prior world was. And I think that's just such an interesting, like, perspective shift, you know? Like, Mariam and Yona both only know this one particular form of life, basically, mm-hmm. and of community. Um, and yet, those are so radically different to each other. And so much of this fic is, like, about trying to reconcile those differences and come to terms with it. And come to terms with, like, how those life experiences have, like, formed who they are. And, like, even, like, how they think of family, how they think of identity, how they think of, like, self-worth are all affected by, um, like, these two very different sort of, like, answers to what happens when the whole world is dying. Yeah, I was thinking a lot about the role that Vision plays in this fic, um, specifically after I read that part toward the end where the reveal is made that um, the people who left the train survived and that the sort of the fallen figures that were covered in snow um, were staged because the Mariam and her whole community live underground. Light is a very, very scarce resource. They use it mostly in their like farming. Um, in order to keep, you know, plants alive and stuff, um, important. Otherwise, they live mostly in darkness. Um, some of the children have adapted to have, like, larger eyes. Like, it's a whole thing. So, um, I thought it was really interesting to see the intersections of, like, seeing and believing and where those things overlap in this fic and where those things do not. Um, and how much there is this reliance on, like, trusting what you yourself can see and this independence that I think is tied a lot in with the sort of Western capitalistic um, perspectives that we see on Snowpiercer. Um, they're in there, they're, they're looking, they're being told, like, look, look for yourself, right? Whereas underground, there is such a communal sense, there's the oral tradition, there's the storytelling that's shared, and the audio medium is considered, I think, by this fic to be a lot more of a community based um trust based sort of way of sharing information it's not are are you believing what you're seeing it's not make up your mind for yourself it's do you trust the person who's speaking to you to be telling you the truth and so I thought that was really interesting and like 
the the underground world is so divorced from this sort of western perspective like they are practicing islam they're like in this sort of communistic society um the structures of jobs are super different they're assigned them based on like their skills like it's in so 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 many ways it is completely separate from the structures that were perpetuated in snowpiercer and i thought that the aspects of like sensory detail did a really good job in supporting that yeah i think like that kind of gets to something i thought about a lot during this fic which is the sort of reliance on language understanding meaning and also like art and history <laughs> not to just throw a whole bunch yeah, of words out things. there but i think they're all very much tied up together in this and part of it is because there's only there's limited access to knowledge um and this fic actually sort of starts with mariam telling us how she learned about certain things um and some of those things are things like the concept of underground mm-hmm. because there has to be something else opposite to it um or like what a train actually is or like partway through the fic there's sort of this moment of realization she has that like snow melts they didn't know that um and i think it's a really fascinating sort of example on how we ascribe meaning to concepts that we've never experienced and that's such a huge part of both snowpiercer and this fic um because if you like both of their worlds rely so completely on like what happened before, but for this new generation, they don't know that. And in order to sort of get that meaning, there is sort of this lore building in both worlds. And the lore building in Snowpiercer is like, like very like gaslighty. Like, and we know that like they are being deceived. Um, and what they're being told is like kind of fucked up. Um, and, we think that what they're being told in the Warrens, like what Mariam knows, seems more truthful. Um, we don't actually know that. Yeah. So there is always sort of this threat of like, what if this is the same? Yeah. Um, Who controls the information? Right, exactly. Yeah. But I think like a lot of it is tied into sort of like how we ascribe meaning to things um, and sort of what connection language can bring. I mean, it's literally called the interpreter because it focuses on these two girls who can sort of only understand each other i mean mariam can understand like the rest of her community but there's also something that only her and yona share in the fact that they're the only two people here who can speak korean um mariam's mother can't her father is the one who could he's he passed away before the events of this fic um and i think like it does such a good job of showing what language can do for community and what knowledge can do for community well, I think it's so interesting, too, how, um, like, Mariam and Yona and all of the all of the kids of the war, they're only one generation removed. Mm-hmm. Like, the adults are people who very much lived their yeah. lives in, like, what we would think of as society now, like, the life that we are all currently living. Like, they lived in that world. And I did think it was really fascinating that, like, there is, like some mention of this history before in the history tunnels and also just sort of in the oral history being passed down but like not really um there are so many things that mariam kind of references like not understanding or knowing or Mm -hmm. that like adults will say Mm -hmm. that just don't get explained and like she doesn't really care to follow up on and i thought it was interesting because it's like you're you're sort of witnessing like all of this history being lost but Mm -hmm. 
to me, it's like, I didn't feel, like, sad about it. And I yeah. think it's because Mariam doesn't. Like, to Mariam, she has all of the history that she needs. Like, she loves the history tunnels. She's in there all the time, and she wants to be, like, adding to them and studying them. But, like, that is enough for her. Like, the history that exists there and the history that she's getting from the people around her, like, that is enough versus... Um, as a reader, you're like, there's so little of, like, society before the climate crisis, so little of that knowledge is actually being passed down, and, like, this is only one generation removed mm-hmm. away from it. Like, what, what is it gonna look like, like, five, six, like, 20 generations down the line? Especially if the snow is melting and the earth is slowly becoming, like, habitable again. I don't know. It's such, like, an interesting thought mm-hmm. about, like, the cyclical nature of things. Yeah, yeah. we never get a scene where Mariam's like, Mom, like, what's Starbucks? <laughs> <laughs> but the snow might melt and reveal a Starbucks, so joke's on you. <laughs> Just saying. First building back on Earth, Starbucks. <laughs> and the cyclical nature of capitalism starts again. <laughs> um, but, like, kind of actually. No, yeah, I think, like, the sort of threat that remains at both the end of Snowpiercer and inherently in this fic Mm -hmm. is that you can't escape the history of it. It'll start all over and still be bad. Yeah, Yeah. and like, that if you, like, it's the question of like, is not remembering the past better because you're not repeating it or will you still accidentally inadvertently repeat it because it's what human beings are like destined to do because we devalue others' lives. Yeah, so we've sort of talked about how in some ways this new society that's presented in the colonies while it's sort of different than what we live in now and can seem perhaps worse it's also presented as a kind of a good society in this fic but I think at the same time like for as much as it provides like a different alternative ending to Snowpiercer and to the sort of central themes of that movie, it also doesn't disagree with them. Mm-hmm. I think it's it hinges entirely on sort of the same belief that Bong Joon-ho is like putting forward in that movie of what capitalism and society can do to like devalue human life. Um, and there was like a Tumblr post I read the other day that was sort of some analysis on Parasite and it was just really well written, but there was one part in particular at the end that I found myself really thinking about this fic with. Um, it's by Tumblr user Closet Keys. So thank you, Tumblr user Closet Keys. It says, This film to me didn't ask, quote, who is the parasite, but instead, quote, what does it mean to be a parasite? What does it mean to be trapped in a system where you must risk your life to feed off others? What does it mean to have to hide from the light? What does it mean to have your very survival be distasteful, your existence be deemed unsanitary and disgusting? What does it mean to be exterminated? These questions to me are so central to this bone-deep analysis of oppression. And I think a lot of those are still really central to the life in the new um, colonies. As much as Mariam doesn't see any problem with it, there is sort of still this background feeling of, like, their survival is is distasteful to the world at large. It's distasteful to the people on Snowpiercer. It's sort of distasteful to the narrative that they have managed to sort of eke out a living. Um, And that living is, like, deemed as kind of dirty and ugly and gross. And there's something about it that's very also evocative of going down the stairs and fucking parasites and finding the guy living there. spoilers! Sorry. And I just... Like, I found, I found myself really thinking about, like, how 
what like value do we ascribe to this new call like new society as we're reading it where it's like it's both better and yet there is still something about it that's looked down upon and that still is sort of like that's where they're having to like this wasn't a choice they didn't choose to set out and make like a better life for themselves they were forced to because rich greedy people (laughs) fucked the world up and the only reason they were even able to do this is because the systems of oppression had pushed people so far down that there was something to be built on down below everything else um and i just think that that's so central to this narrative that like I think it I think it finds itself at a really interesting intersection um between saying like well, how can we move on from capitalism but also like what has capitalism left us with that's still ugly and horrible and still like sort of values human lives as like animals basically mm-hmm. but I think that's why it's so fascinating like it just gives you so much to think about um and it's like one particular sort of extension of Snowpiercer um, but it's one that was really moving and like thought provoking for me. Um, it touched upon a lot of themes in media that I find just super fascinating. I felt like it was also something I wanted to be reading at this moment, like even though it's not actually about Parasite and was written in 2013 after Snowpiercer, like there are so many themes that I was thinking yeah. about like after having seen that movie as well that were echoed here. Um, and I think just, like, as as we continue to live in a world where we know there is so much, like, abject oppression, um, and where we know our society is worsening, like, because of things like global warming and climate change, and that we are not doing shit about it, like, reading stories like this, I think, are kind of necessary yeah. to make us think about, like, to make us reevaluate our own lives. Anyway, so that's what I got out of The Interpreter by Auntie Star E. Um, not to always be like, you should read this fic, but like... You should read this fic. This one really, like, fucked me up in the best way possible. Yeah. Uh, so thank you, Auntie Star E, for writing something magnificent. So... That was um, our episode on Gen Fic. We, uh, we really covered a lot there. <laughs> Hi, porns. Um, I really enjoyed the discussions that we had. I hope you do too, our dear listeners. Um, do we want to talk about what we're reading for next episode? Yeah. Yes. Before that, I wanted to say sort of like one thought I had about the fix that we read this week. Yes, <laughs> go for it. Thank you. Um, I, th- I think they're all very different than things that we've covered so far, and one of the things that they made me think about was how much I think each of them reflected something about fandom back in it, and I think a lot of fanfiction does that, but it had me sort of wondering about, like, what do we leave space for when we remove or, like, decenter romance? Um, and I, I thought it was really interesting how how much of these fics sort of get at meta perspectives on certain things and how much they delve into that. And that's not to say I don't see those in, like, romance-centered fics, but it just really had me thinking about, like, what more can we do with the space when we write fanfiction? So I just appreciated that perspective that it gave me. 
Thanks, yeah. authors. Okay, yeah, let's talk about what we're going to talk about next week. Okay, it's romance twenty four seven, baby. We are back to love. What you got, Reed? Um, so I'm bringing a podfic that is also a made for audio fic. And in case you're wondering, like, what a made for audio fic is, um, I only recently discovered this myself. Don't worry, I will get into it next episode. But it's um essentially a podfic. Uh, it's called I Don't Want to Think Anymore, and it's by Anna Pods and Calabang. Um, it is a hockey RPF fic, as Eric Johnson, Gabe Landeskog. Nick, what is your fic? The fic that I am bringing is called Like a Steel by Nina Monday. Um, it is a twice fic, hit girl group twice, love that. Um, <laughs> we are doing femme slash everyone. Um, so the main pairings in this one are Momo Sana and Nayeon Jonghyun. Brian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my name. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm returning once again, my dear Ficklets, to a place that we are all now familiar with. It's Brenna's Dreary Corner! <laughs> we need, like, a, a theme song. Yeah, you like a jingle need, song. Yeah, need a little jingle. We'll I'll work, work on, on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, with Timeshare by Astolat. I feel um, like you also need a jingle for um, when I talk about Astolat Astolat Corner. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I'm sorry. I'm such a fan girl. Has she ever been more on brand than this specific <laughs> no, choice? Like, this this fic is like one of the reasons we decided to like do fic click. If you <laughs> want to keep up with us uh, a little bit more than you already do by subscribing to us on any place you listen to podcasts uh you can follow us on our social media you can find us at fitclick on twitter um or fitclick.tumblr.com specifically shout out to the people who followed us on twitter and joined us for a rousing game of fake like internet online generated cards against humanity that we created that was fic themed we had so much fun playing with y'all we're gonna do it again sometime so uh, keep an eye out. Check out our Twitter is really where we post most of our like updates. Tumblr is more archival, but um, hit us up if you enjoy what we're doing. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, makes a huge difference in discoverability. Um, also, share... we will love you forever. Oh, absolutely. Um, share our show with a friend. Wreck us to someone. We wreck you fic all the time. <laughs> now it's time to <laughs> pay it forward. <laughs> We would just love that. We think you all are great, and if you like what we're doing, we would love it if you helped us continue to do it more. Yeah, um, thank you so much for being understanding as we, um, took a week off. Um, you know, life happens sometimes. Um, but as Nick said, we did a lot of fun things on Twitter sort of during that break. Um, so yeah, if you'd like to keep up with us, if you're just like, wow, I love Click and I want more, and I just, like, just need to be engrossed in Click all the time, um... Twitter is the best place to keep up with (laughs) all the things we're doing. Um, Yeah. Our next episode will be coming out on Friday the 13th. Woo! Um, There's no no theme. There's no spooky theme. We just realized it was Friday the 13th and we already picked our fix, so it's too late. Plus, like, maybe you're like, oh, you know, I've been enjoying these themes, but, like, oh, man, Fit Click, they've really gotten away from their roots. Like, maybe the scariest thing is that there is no theme. Ooh. Um, (laughs) Maybe. Um, either way, we'll be returning back to our regular format of three picks, um, that we picked without a theme. Um, so we hope you tune in with us then. Thank you so much for listening along. Um, we love you. Bye! Bye.
us, your Fake Click hosts, here to announce something extra fun and special we're going to be doing. Um, so we've been waiting to meet a particular goal, which was 1,000 downloads! And we met it! We did it! Oh oh Those are celebratory horns. Yes, they're hype horns! Yes. horns. Hype um, horns for us! Yeah! <laughs> Good job, us. Good job, us. But also, Give like... Give yourself a pat on the back. Us. Good job to you, Ficklets. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to our little show about fan fiction. It's kind of overwhelming to think that so many people have listened to us say so many things about fic. Give yourself a pat on the back, too. Yes. Congratulations. You listened. <laughs> You've done it. You've done it. We made it. So, um, to celebrate this milestone, we thought it would be fun to do a giveaway. Um, so we're going to be putting together a little package. Um, each of us will pick out a fun little item. Um, Brenna also made some really, really, really cool Fit Click stickers. We have merch We have merch! Ah, it's not for sale. Enter the giveaway. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it'll be for sale someday, but... <laughs> Y'all, these stickers are so good. They're I'm so, so excited about them. Um, so we'll have that, and also, um, we thought it'd be fun if each of us did a personalized rec, too. Um, yeah, so just, like, a bunch of neat little things just to say thank you for listening, that we appreciate you. Um, you can check out our Twitter for more information about the giveaway, how to enter, the deadline, all those sorts of things. We love you very much. We stan you. We stan you. We're so glad that you clearly stan us, too. (laughs) It's amazing. Thanks for listening.